We now begin the fifth parak of Maseches Bava Metzia. This chapter is known as Ezehu Neshech, and the topic is the prohibition of uh, profiting from a lending to a fellow Jew. Okay? Now, the notion of charging interest, which is called ribis or Neshech, um, and the Iser, it, it seems to be an especially big deal to Hashem, and as much as there are numerous psukim dedicated to this, and there's numerous Lavin prohibitions that are encapsulated in uh, doing such a thing. So you see, it's a big, it's a big deal. So to Hashem, uh, and therefore, I think we got to just um, think about it for a second, taking a step back, because it's not so easy to understand um, what the big deal is. So let's just um, step one. The Torah is teaching essentially an ethic, which is saying, listen, it's not, it's not right to lend it interest, but we have to ask, you know, why? You know, if if you want to borrow my car. And I said, I'll lend you my car, but since I have to go without a car, when you give it back to you in a week, I want not just my car back, I also want $100 as a, a rental fee in exchange for me going without a car. That seems perfectly fair. But if the Torah is saying, if your friend, your fellow Jew needs money, and you say, listen, I'll lend you 1000 bucks, but I expect you to give me a rental fee for my money since I'm going without it, give me an extra 100 as a rental fee, that's the interest. Uh, afterwards, the Torah is saying, no, that's the Isidoraisa. So what is the difference and why? So I think the the basic idea is that the Torah is trying to teach an ethic, which is you're meant to relate to your fellow Jew, Amisecha, you're the you know your fellow Jew who behaves like a good Jew, as as a relative, as like your you know your brother, your cousin. And the Torah is saying it's just not right for you to to lend to your brother at interest. You know, lending him your car is one thing, but if he needs money, and you're charging for that, so you're making things even worse for them than before. Uh, in terms of his need, so that's just that's unacceptable in the Torah's eyes. Now, um, the the Gemara, the Ram, the Halacha um, goes on to say that actually it's um, it's required that you charge interest if you're lending to a non-Jew. So you see, there's nothing like sort of immoral about lending and charging interest. It's that the Torah is telling, telling you a value that you're supposed to relate to your fellow Jew as your family member, and family members don't do that to one another when they're desperate for money, to demand interest uh, and a payback. That's the Torah's sort of ethic, what it's teaching here. Now, to understand the, the whole principle a little more, I want to make sure that uh, something's clear. In in English, we talk about a loan, uh, but the word loan could mean a couple things. And in the Torah, we have two separate words. One is called a she'ela, and one is called a halva'ah. A she'ela is when I lend you something, but I expect you to give me that very same thing back to me. So you say, listen, I need a hammer. I'm, I'm building you know, a shed outside. Can I borrow your hammer? So I say, yeah, I'll give you my hammer. And that's called a she'ela because you're going to use the hammer and give me back that very same hammer. If you would, you know, I don't know what, go then sell that hammer and, on, on eBay and then, you know, replace a different one, it would be sort of a pull. That wasn't the idea. Or if you use this firewood or who knows what you're going to use it for. It's not, that's not the deal. The deal is I'm letting you give it. I'm letting you use it, but I want it back. That's called a she'ela. A halva, a loan... Uh, also in English, same thing, is given in a way that I understand. You're going to consume what I'm giving you. You're going to spend it or eat it, um, and it'll be gone. But then you'll replace it with the replacement one. So you ask, can I borrow your orange juice? Can I borrow $100? And I give you the orange juice, $100. I understand you're going to drink the orange juice. You're not giving me back the very same orange juice, or you're not giving me this very same $100. You're going to spend the, spend the money, and then when you get your paycheck next week, you'll give me a new $100 in, in replacement. That's called a halva. Okay, in English, both could be called loans, lending someone, but they're really different. Now, the Torah um, lets a person do both those things. A person is allowed um, to, instead of giving a she'ela, a loan 
lending an object for free, he's allowed to do um, to be to to rent it out. Okay, demaskir it. That's we that you could be, you could be you could rent out things like that. So I could rent my hammer to you or my car to you and expect to get paid for that. And that's within bounds of the Torah. But if it's a halva alone, then I'm giving you what you're going to consume like food or money, um, then it becomes forbidden for me to demand that you give me back more than I gave you. And that's the purview of this Mishnah, of this whole parak, really. Now, um, the Torah refers to that both as ribis or marbis or tarbis, um, and also as neshech. And really those terms effectively are interchangeable, meaning you just have two separate lav in here. Um, but they really do the same thing. In your basic textbook case of ribis or neshech, which the Doraisa is, I'm lending you something, let's say money um, or apples, and I say, here's 100, but when you pay me back, give me 110. So that is called ribis kutsutsa. That's the technical term. It means that we set up at the time of the loan that what you're going to give me back is more than I'm giving you. There's a predetermined extra payment, okay? That's the Isidoraisa. That would constitute both ribis and neshech. It's over both. The truth is the Michelin end up saying that you can be over six Lavin for doing such a transaction, but well, depending on structure, both the borrower and the lender are liable, as well as even um, the guy who's like the lawyer or guy running the contract. All these people are doing an Isuri Doraisa, and um, the details we'll see later on. But um, the point is that it's it's called Neshech, from the word like Noshech, to bite, uh, because it sort of like bites the borrower, right? He thinks he's just borrowing a little money, okay, big deal, it's a little bit of interest payment, but you know what? That little bit then, you know, grows and grows, and he gets deeper and deeper in debt, sort of takes things over, like a little snake bites you on the foot. You say, oh, it's just a small little bite, but no, it, the venom will take over your whole body and you know, bring you into total decline, like bankruptcy. Um, the marbis, the with ribis from the word like harbet to increase, is focused not on the borrower, that's neshech, but on the lender who's profiting, who's making more. In other words, I had 100 apples, I'm getting back 110, so I'm being marbem, increasing my apples. Okay, um, But both neshech and marbis in the psukim are really... Um, effectively interchangeable, meaning they're both Isuri Doraisa and both talking about this prohibition of what we call Ribis Kutsutsa, lending, expecting to get back more than what you gave. Um, in the Pesukim themselves, you look carefully, you'll see um, that when the Pesukim talk about it, it's a, it focuses on cash, and money as Neshech, and stuff, produce, as Marbis. Like, for example, the Pesuk says, Es kaspacha lo siten lo your money you shall give to your fellow Jew, beneshech, for interest, like dollar interest, uva marbis lositen achlecha, and also for marbis, like ribis, you should not give your food. Um, so in the Pesukim, it, it seems to go consistently that, that neshech is a word that applies to money, whereas marbis, or tarbis, ribis, replies to food. But bottom line is they're interchangeable, one applies to the other, and uh, so you're over, like, I'll call it two lavin, at least, um, when you do a loan, whether it's apples or money, when you're asking for more than you gave. Okay, now, that's a Doraisa. The, the rabbis went and extend this a little bit. You see, it's a very big deal to Hashem, and therefore the rabbis have made quite a wide um, fence to protect around ribis. Uh, the first is um, what is called avak ribis. Avak ribis means like, you know, the dust of interest. So that's where I lend to you money or stuff, food, let's say, and I don't stipulate something specific yet to pay me back. So I give you the $100, and there's no demand for more than $100 back. But you, you know, 
are very happy you got the money, and when you give me back, you give me something else in addition. You give me a, a, a thank you gift, right? Or just you did a great business deal, so you have lots of extra money, so you give me a present of not just 100 I gave you, but 110 So since we didn't determine that there was a requirement to pay me more than I gave you at the time I made the loan, so it's not Ketsutsa, rather it's just Avakribis, and that's an Isra de Rabbanon. Okay, now, um, so anytime you're paying someone with any goods or services or money in addition to what you borrowed, if you stipulated that payment ahead of time, it's Katsuta and Doraisa. If you didn't stipulate it, but you give it anyways, you're an Avakribis and Durabon. Now, um, the rabbis said, listen, um, when you do something like a, a forward contract, when you do a deal where I commit in a commercial transaction, where I say, listen, give me the $100 today and I'll deliver you the stuff next week. Okay, so that really makes the opportunity for some which is essentially economically the same as charging interest. Because um, if I have to, you give me a hundred dollars today, and right now today, you know, um, I'm I'm telling you, listen, I'll I'll deliver you uh, a bottle of wine, and then uh, the price of wine goes up when I have to deliver the wine to you, since the wine appreciated and it's costing more than a hundred dollars. So now um, I'm losing. Okay, so that's that's effectively like ribas. So the rabbis forbade that. They they forbade what I'll call forward contracts, agreements to pay now and then deliver later, um, which in the in the Gemara language is psika al haperos. It's a psika, like they fix a price or future payment on some kind of commodity and some kind of merchandise. And the rabbis says you may not do that because essentially a person can get harmed the same kind of way a, a loan is, because effectively by the buyer giving over the $100 now is exactly analogous to a, a lender giving $100 now. And then there's a payment in the future. So if the payment is going to be instead of cash, it's going to be stuff, delivery of the wine, but the wine is worth more in the future. So then the borrower, the person who sold it, in other words, has to give back not just 100 but 100 plus in terms of value because the wine went up in price. And that sure feels like something very similar to Rebus. Therefore, the rabbi said you can't do that. You may not do um, those kind of transactions. Um, unless, now this is a very important unless, commercial transactions which involved commitments to take money now and pay later are forbidden unless they meet one of two criteria, this one, one or the other. Um, the first is what's called yeshlo. That means he has it in stock. He has it. That means that the seller is taking money now, but he has in stock the stuff that he's selling. So in other words, I'm taking $100 now. I'm agreeing to deliver the wine next week. But I have the wine, or I have wine, uh, in, my, in my wine cellar right now. Okay, then the rabbi said that's permitted. Why? The thought is that um, essentially I could say, listen, okay, so the wine that you're buying that I'm delivering in a week, it's now the stuff that I have in my wine cellar. Um, I'm now transferring it ownership to you now. So I'm not exposed to, to any, any uh, gain or loss. I don't have to let you take possession now, but... I could. We could give it to you now. And the fact that I have it in stock, and therefore I can sort of be fully hedged, meaning if the price of wine goes up a thousand times, it doesn't make a difference because I have the wine right now in my wine cellar. I won't lose the money. So the rabbi said that's permitted. That's called yeshlo. Okay? Um, the other possibility, what the rabbi said it's permitted, is when it's called yatsa shar. If the price has gone out, meaning that there's a well-known established, stable market price for this commodity um, where everyone knows it and you could really acquire it for that amount right now if you wanted to. So in other words, everyone knows that, in my example, the wine 
is available, wine's available in all the shops. The price is $100 for the bottle. So um, that's called Yatsa Shar. It's a stable price. Everyone knows it. It's available. To, it's a real price. Um, and if I wanted to, when you give me $100 to buy the wine for delivery on Tuesday, uh, next week I should say, whatever it is, so I could easily just go, if I wanted to, right now and go to any store and buy that commodity, that wine, and have it in stock. And since we said, yesh, if you have it in stock, it's like as if you already, you know, transfer ownership now in your hedge, you know, exposed and it's okay. So two, it's like two steps of like, you know, theoretical, theoretical, but theoretically, if there is a fixed market price that everyone knows and recognizes, and I'm getting $100 from you right now, if I want to, I could go to any store and buy it, and then I could have it in stock, and then I could transfer it to you if I wanted to. So therefore, the rabbi said, this person, again, could do that, and therefore, he's not so exposed, and it's permitted. Okay, that's called Yatsashar. But if you have neither Yeshlo, he doesn't have it in stock, or Yatsashar, there's a well-known, established, firm, stable market price for this, for this commodity that's being sold, then it's forbidden, Nidurabanan, to take money now in exchange for payment later, Psika Olaperos. Okay? One thing I want to say now before I go further, which is there's a separate Durabanan, it's kind of related, it's called Sa'ab Sa'a, I'll translate that very loosely now. It's like a bushel for a bushel, um, or it could be a cup for a cup, or a gallon for a gallon. doesn't matter. A saw is a particular measure, but it doesn't make a difference. The point is, I can't say, listen, let me borrow from you, you know, a barrel of a beer now, and I'll give you a new barrel next week. That's forbidden midurabanan. Why? Because I'm essentially not borrowing money from you, but I'm borrowing beer from you, and I'm committed to give you back that same amount of beer. But next week, the price of beer could go up, in which case, when I give you back the beer, you're getting more than, in terms of value, you're getting more than you gave me. So it's kind of like ribus. It feels like ribus, okay? So I'm not committing to give you more beer, but it could end up being I'll give you more value. That's also forbidden. Midurabanan, because the borrower could sort of also be totally um, crushed if, if, you know, beer prices go up, and, uh, and, and the lender could make money. So therefore, the rabbis, you can't do that. Again, um, sabasa, giving a fixed amount of something in exchange for a fixed amount later, is permitted in the event, uh, says the rabbis, if you have yeshlo, if the the borrower has extra in his, in his um, you know, already in storage somewhere, so it's as if he can give it now, so to speak, if he wants to, um, or if yatsashar, or if there's a fixed price now in the marketplace, because then essentially, if he wants to, he could take the... What's piece taking now? Convert into money and buy that new beer and then deliver it. So he could hedge himself if he wants to. So even if he doesn't, it doesn't matter. And since all these things, commercial transactions or sabasa, once it's permitted, even if the price does go up. So in other words, I borrowed from you. I took money from you for hundred dollars. I said I'll deliver you the wine next week. Um, and because either yeshlo or yatsashar, if in fact. Next week, when I deliver the wine, the price of wine is doubled, and you're making a killing, so to speak. That's still permitted. Permitted for you to give you the wine because the transaction was permitted at the time that it happened. Okay, that's the background here uh, in a nutshell. Now, let's go to the, the first Mishnah, and we'll see this inside. So, says the Mishnah, Eizuhu neshech ve'ezu tarbis. What constitutes neshech and what constitutes tarbis, ribis? Now, this is confusing. In the, I just got finished telling you that in the Psukim and the Chumash, Neshech and Ribis are interchangeable to both the Surah Doraisa. But in the Mishnah, we're going to refer to Neshech as the Doraisa version of prohibition and the Tarbis as being something which is Asr Midorabanon. Okay? It's, that's just how it is. So we're going to go through that right now. Ezu Neshech. What constitutes Neshech, meaning Isr Doraisa? So again, it'll be Katsutsa where you're lending um, either 
1A will be Neshech, where you're lending money and asking for more than you gave, where 1B will be you're lending stuff, like apples and asking for more apples than you gave. Okay, so the mission is inside. Hamal vesela b'chamisha dinarin. If either A, 1A, a person lends a sela of money, a sela is the equivalent of four dinar. So he says, I'll give you four dinar today, b'chamisha dinarim, but you have to give me five dinarim next week. So there's a, obviously there's an interest payment of an extra dinar. So that's good old-fashioned katsutsa, fixed ribis ashramador raisa. Or 1B is sa'asayim chitin, I'll give you two bushels of wheat today, b'shalosh, but next week you have to give me back three bushels of wheat. Again, we're at Kutsutsa. We're in a situation where we're establishing at the time of the loan, you have to give me more than I gave you. And that being the case, those are Isur Doraisa, Isur Doraisa of, of lending an interest, what's called Neshech right now. And why is it called Neshech? What does the word Neshech mean? Mipneshu Noshech, because it bites, meaning the borrower of the money or of the wheat is going to feel the pain of the bite because he's actually going to be net net, even poor, come a week when he has to give back the money or the wheat, because he has less than when he started even before. He's deeper in the hole. Now, um, there is a question why the Mishnah used the strange expression of Sela Bachamisha dinar, and why doesn't it say, like, you borrow two dinar and you require three back? Why do you do the Sela and five business? The answer is, you might have thought incorrectly that a Sela is considered like a commodity, since Salaam is one kind of coin and dinar are a different kind of coin, and it's theoretically possible although normally there are four dinar and a sela, that the exchange of them could, could fluctuate. There'll be a durabanan, but the answer is no. It's a doraisa, because since they're both silver coins, they're considered totally interchangeable. Meaning, in contrast, if we talk about gold coins, so um, we got finished in the previous parak talking about how gold, if you're selling gold for silver, someone's buying gold coins, so the gold is considered to be the peros, the commodity. It's like a commercial transaction, like as if it's like a commodity. So um, there... Although the normal exchange is 25 silver coins for a gold coin. Uh, if one would say, I'll give you a gold coin today, but for 26 silver coins in the future, um, that'll be uh, a durabanan, not a doraisa, because gold to silver is considered like a commodity, it's considered like psikalaperos, it's considered to be a commercial transaction, not a loan, and therefore it's only Mr. Durabanan. That's why we went on to the Sela story. Okay, that's. Part one, that's really simple. Now, part two, which is less simple. The Ezu Tarbis, what constitutes ribis? And this is a Durabaran. Okay, so it's called Tarbis because it means Marbet Beperos, that the person is increasing the amount of merchandise he has, meaning he's doing a commercial transaction, walking away richer. But it's not a loan. It's not structured as a loan, I'll give you and you give me back. It's structured as a, a, a commercial transaction. I'm selling you something, you're going to buy something, and I'm going to deliver something in exchange for the money you're giving me for that purchase. Okay? So that's Durabanan. Now, here, here we go. So it says, Ketzad, what's the Isser Durabanan of Marvis? Lakach heimenu chitin bedinar zahav hakur. The seller takes one golden dinar, which is the equivalent of 25 silver dinarim, in exchange for a kur of chitin, Again, I'll call it a bushel. A kur is, is 30 saw. It doesn't make a difference. A bushel of chitin. bushel of wheat. Okay? V'chein hashar. And that is the prevailing market price. Everyone knows how much does a kur of wheat cost. Everyone, every shopkeeper, everyone selling wheat in every store up and down the, the shuk tells you, yeah, the price is a dinar's of. It's 25 silver coins or one gold coin. Okay? So, since that's the case, and that's yatsa shar, 
this transaction is actually permitted, even with the rabbanon, for me to take 25 silver coins, one gold coin today, and say I'll deliver you the wheat next week, is yes permitted because yatzashar, because it's a fixed price. And if I want to, I could take your money now, go buy the wheat from any merchant, then I could have it in my basement, I'm hedged, I'm not, ex- not exposed, and I could deliver the wheat to you next week, and it's as if I gave it to the wheat right now, just so you didn't take possession until next week. So since that's at least theoretically possible, it's permitted. Okay? So, so far, nothing has been wrong, even with the rabbanon. But then, Next week rolls around. The price of wheat has gone up. And instead of being 25 silver coins, one gold coin, it's now more. Now it's 30 silver coins. So it costs more to buy wheat. The wheat has gone up. And when I deliver you your wheat now that you paid me for last week, you'll actually be richer than before because you could get 30 silver coins even though you only paid 25. But that too would be permitted. That's called commerce. That's called doing business. And that's everything's going to be A-OK. But that's not what happens in our Mishnah. Amrlo, tenli chitai. You say, listen, I bought the wheat last week. I want my wheat now. What I want it. Sha'ani rotel lemachran velikach ben yain. The price of wheat's gone up. I can sell that wheat now for 30, katari profit, and use it to buy a keg of wine. The price of wine, a keg of wine, is 30 dinar. So this is great. I can get exchanged, you know, I can make a big profit. Instead of, I laid out 25 last week, and that would not buy me a keg of wine. But now, I, you owe me wheat, and if you give me the wheat, I could sell that for 30 and get wine instead. And if indeed I would say, okay, fine, here's your wheat, and it's appreciated, I'm happy for you, or whatever, I'm not happy for you, that makes a difference, that's totally permitted. Okay, but that's not what the salesman does. Amarlo, the salesman says, no, no, I'm not delivering your wheat. Let's just do it as a book entry. Let's just say, like, let's, let's put it in the, the math, I'll do the math, the equivalent. I'll give you credit as if I gave you back the wheat and then we sold it, meaning I'm changing how much I owe you. I don't owe you anymore one bushel of wheat, a core of wheat. Instead, I owe you 30 dinar. You gave me 25, but I'm agreeing to pay you back 30. Now, um, even that would be acceptable, okay? Because the price of wheat is now 30, so the, it's, it's the exact same thing. But and then I say, uh, now I'm not going to give you, you don't want, you want the money now because you want to close and purchase some wine. But I say, listen, I'll do the whole trade for you as like a book entry. I'll say, listen, no longer do I owe you a bushel, a core of wheat. Now I owe you a barrel of wine. Okay, and it's the exact same because at this very minute in the marketplace, you can exchange a core of wheat for a barrel of wine. So I say, listen, I'll just instead of giving you wheat, I'll give you wine next time. Now that is Asar Madurabanan, assuming the Yain Ainlo, assuming that the merchant who took the money originally that was owing the wheat does not have the wine in his possession already. Because why? Because what is he doing? He's saying, I'll promise to give you wine in the future. But there's, remember, the way that the Yeshlo worked um, was that he had, he could, or the Yatashar worked, was that he, if he wants to, could fully hedge himself. He could buy the product now and just deliver it in a week. But if he, he only has an, a, a, a liability, an IOU to the guy, I, I promise to pay you back 30 now, but he hasn't got the cash in hand, so he couldn't buy the wine if he wanted to, okay? And he doesn't have any in stock. So therefore, it's, it's not, a situation of, even if there's not a situation of, of Yeshlo, even if there is Yatzashar, even if the price of wine is well known, but a person can't buy wine with a promise, okay, since he can't get the wine, to promise he'll give the wine in the future, where now he's exposed, and if the price of wine goes up, 
he really can get killed, right? He can get to suffer a big loss. And the the guy who bought the wheat earlier on, like call him now, like the can essentially make a lot of money potentially, as like so to speak, like the lender, like the as if you were a lender because he gave the money last week, twenty five last week. So that would be Asar Madura Banan. It's Asar Madura Banan because. There's no Yeshlo and there's no Yatzashar that's relevant because Yatzashar doesn't help if you can't now actually go and buy the wheat and you can't uh, buy the wine. You can't buy the wine now because he doesn't have it in hand. Okay? And that's the Dinder Abana. Now, the Mishnah, the Mishnah sure makes me very complicated. It could have made a much simpler case. It could have just simply said a case. Reuven owes Shimon money and, and Shimon says, give my money back because I want to buy, buy wine with it. And Reuven says, okay, I'll just owe you the wine instead of the money. That's also the same Isser de Rabbanan. It's a promise to deliver um, uh, wine later in exchange for uh, a debt now, and there's no there's no Yeshlo, no Yatzashah that matters because you only have a debt, no cash. So therefore, it's the same exact thing. The Mishnah did this two-step process of two, like what's Psikala Paris, two promises. First, deliver wheat, and then later on to say, I'll deliver wine instead, to show you that even if the debt arose in a non Halva, a non-loan way, because really Midoraisa, it's only loans that can that are Asr Midoraisa Veneshech. But since it doesn't matter, even if the the debt started out being a commercial transaction, which was totally the kosher and legitimate, um, you can't now convert that loan into a promise of future payments, future delivery, that'd be Asr, at least Asr Midurabanan.